Good morning, Faith Church. If you would, you can open your Bible up to Matthew 6 as we continue our series on the Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Well, so far in our series on the Lord's Prayer, we have been praying for some pretty big things. We prayed to our Father in heaven and thought about all that that entails. We prayed that his name would be hallowed to the ends of the earth, that God, your, your name would be praised in all the earth. We prayed, bring your kingdom close to me so that I can see it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in all the earth and in my life. These are all big things. And then all of a sudden, a sharp turn towards very simple, immediate things. Daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. It's kind of a boring prayer, right? Especially compared to the other things. I mean, we're praying to our Heavenly Father that His name would be praised, that His kingdom would come. And now bread? Many of us have said this so many times that we hardly stop to think about what we are actually praying. So what is Jesus teaching here? What is He actually saying here when we are to ask for our daily bread? And we know, obviously, that He's not just talking about bread. I mean, surely he's not saying, okay, you know, pray for all these other things, these big things that God wants to do. And okay, if you need a little something for yourself, pray for bread. Well, can we pray for water? No, just bread. Oh, but I'm gluten intolerant. Too bad for you. Just bread. I mean, obviously that's not what he's saying. He's saying, give us this day our daily bread. So what, what are we actually asking for here? Well, bread as you may know, in, in Scripture is, is kind of a symbolic thing for, uh, for the foundational element of life. It symbolizes just the basic foundational element uh, of life. So the most straightforward understanding of this request is asking God for the daily basic elements of life to sustain our life. And it's demonstrating, this, this request, our, our daily bread, it's demonstrating a dependence on him for those things. And in praying this, we are being reminded of this thing that we so desperately need to be reminded of. That we are dependent on him for even the smallest details of life. As we've said, we often turn to prayer for really big things and really spiritual things. And so far, that's what this prayer has, has been. Very big things. Things that I, I can't do for myself. I can't, I can't make God's name be praised to all the earth. I, I can't make his kingdom come. These are all big things. And so we often, in our prayer life, pray to God for these very big things. The things that I, I clearly can't control. But how often do we pray that God would meet our needs in ways that we think we can handle? Like buying bread. 
I feel like I can, I've got that. Like I, I work a job, I make money, I can go to the store, I can, I can buy bread. And so we end up kind of living out this principle that says, okay, take care of what you can, and then for the big things that you can't control, go to God with those. Or sometimes we'll say, like, you do all that you can and leave the rest to God. And this communicates kind of a a dividing of responsibilities where God takes care of the worldwide issues and the big spiritual things like his glory and his plans in all of the earth. And he takes care of even the things in your life that you can't control that are beyond you. But the details you should be working hard for and doing yourself. And praying this prayer reminds us that this just isn't true. Praying this prayer reminds us that Everything comes from God. You know, when when Jesus tells them later in this sermon not to worry about what they will eat or what they will wear, does he say, hey, don't worry about any of the big things. God's got those. You focus on the small things in your control. You are more than able. You are strong enough. You are smart enough. And people like you. No. No. He says, don't worry about these things because your father knows you need them and he will provide them. He clothes the lilies of the field, so he will clothe you. He feeds the birds of the air, so he will feed you. And most of us don't like to be that dependent or acknowledge our need for God at this very basic level. I think most of us are in the boat where we say, I don't really like to ask for help. I don't really like to be indebted to other people. I don't really like to to demonstrate that I need others. And it shows when we say things like, this is my money. I earned it. Or I provide for my family. I worked hard for this. I do my own work. I can handle these things on my own and I'll call God when I need him. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And I think about when when my children buy something with their birthday money, They'll buy it and then they will they'll act like they earned it. They are entitled to that. That is theirs. And so they won't share it. And if you try to get them to share it, they'll say, like, this is mine. I bought it with my own money. It's a little ridiculous, right? I mean, yes, technically, sure. That was their money. It was, it was given to them as their money. And they bought that thing with their money. But their money was, was given to them. They didn't earn it in their own strength. Not to mention the fact that the only reason that they can spend that $20 on a toy is because they didn't have to worry about buying food, clothing, or shelter with that $20. But is that any different than when an adult says, it's my money, I earned it, I worked hard for it? I mean, yes, in in one sense that is true, but who gave you the ability to work for it? Who keeps your heart beating in your chest to sustain you through your shift? Who upholds the economy to give you a job or lets it crash down? 
How did you end up being born where you were born and to whom you were, being, you were born to? Where you would learn the skills that you needed to learn or have the brain to be able to learn those skills and the physical ability to carry those out and on and on and on and on. And if God suddenly removed his hand from you and you were all of a sudden unable to do your job tomorrow, then what? I mean, our church is full of people who will tell you that they thought they were in control and thought that things were going the way they wanted them to go. And then in a, just in a moment, they were shown how little control they actually have. What do you have that you did not receive? Praying this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, reminds us that we are dependent on God for every little thing in our lives. And our flesh kicks against that. We want to contribute. We don't want to feel small or out of control or that needy, especially on a daily basis. And James addresses this in James chapter 4 where he says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. and All such boasting is evil. If the Lord wills, I will work today. If the Lord wills, I will take this next breath. If the Lord wills, I will wake up tomorrow morning. If the Lord wills, I will finish this sermon. If the Lord wills. I once heard a pastor talk about how sleep is one of the greatest gifts for us because it is a reminder, an amazing reminder every single day for a sizable chunk of the day of how helpless we actually are. Where we become like infants. Completely helpless, unconscious, every single night. A reminder that we are not in control. And it's a daily reminder. It's not just dependence, but daily dependence. Because this is most often how God works. He doesn't give you or me all the plans out in advance. He takes care of you today. When the Israelites were wandering in the desert, God gave them food for the day. Not food for the week, not food for a couple of days, except for on the sixth day so that they wouldn't have to gather on the Sabbath. But he would rain down manna from heaven and they would gather it in the morning. And they were to gather the ration for that day. And if they collected more than that, it would spoil. Now why would God do that? Because he wanted them to know that their dependence on him was not limited to the big things like being delivered from Egypt or parting the Red Sea or delivering them into the promised land. They weren't limited. Their need for him was not limited to every once in a while where they would call out to to deliver the people and to free them. He wanted them to know that they were upheld by his right hand every single day. And that if he ever lifted his mercy or his grace off of them, then they would perish. 
They were completely dependent on him. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I need you today. My ability to provide for myself is no more than a child's. I can only provide what you have provided for me. I can only earn what you have given to me. So God, this this prayer is so God, do all these huge things that are beyond us. I need you to do those things. But I also need you to do all of the small things that sustain us. Like bread. And the truth is, praying this prayer will radically change your life. I may seem like a big claim, but think about it. If you acknowledge God's provision in all of the small things, you will find that he is constantly loving and faithfully providing for you. There's an old saying, you know, don't, don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. That's debatable, but I understand the sentiment. But what about give thanks for the small stuff and it's all small stuff? I mean, the vast majority of your day and my day are small things that we take for granted. The vast majority of them. Think about it. You, you woke up this morning. You're breathing right now. Maybe you're surrounded by a family who loves you. You walked into, maybe you walked into your living room and you sat down on furniture with a roof over your head. Maybe you've got a cup of coffee. You have clean water to drink. You're thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch today. Every single thing. Gone, if God says so. But he sustains it all. He upholds it all by his word. It's not autopilot. It's God's constant activity. If he stopped speaking to your lungs to breathe, they would stop. Imagine if you went through your day genuinely thanking God for all of those things. You wouldn't stop thanking him. You would be praying without ceasing, with thanksgiving. What do you think it would do to your heart if your day was filled from the time you woke up to the time you went to sleep with thanksgiving to God? Do you think it would be harder if you're praising God and giving him thanks all day long? I mean, I know it may seem kind of strange if you're walking along and you breathe a breath. You're like, oh God, thank you for that breath. Oh, another one. Thank you for that one. I mean, just imagine, like other people might think you're nuts, but you might find that you are the most grounded you have ever been and the most joyful you've ever been as you acknowledge that everything is a gift from God. Do you think that it would be harder to experience discontent or jealousy in those moments? I mean, maybe you struggle with that. Do you struggle with entitlement or envy of what others have or discontent with what you have been given? then pray this. Give us this day our daily bread. And be reminded of your utter dependence on God for every breath. Giving thanks for it all and see what happens as you see how God extravagantly and faithfully provides for you every second of the day. 
So it does mean that. Give us this day our daily bread, these basic fundamental elements like the air we breathe and our heart beating and the bread and the food that we eat. But it's more than just that. A lot of us can then take that and we can say, okay, got it. Now I'm going to pray for just the basics. All right, I'll I'll be content with just a few things and and be happy with that. I'm not going to bother God with any of the other stuff that any of my desires. I won't ask for any of the extravagant things. But it's more than just basic needs. Bread represents the foundational element of, of life. And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life in John 6, do you think he means I am the basics of life? As for the really good stuff of life, you'll have to go elsewhere to get it. No, of course not. He means He is the foundation of all life. He is the source of it. If you have him, all life flows from that. It's like building your house upon a rock. So when you are praying for bread, you're not just praying for the basics. You're praying for life. You're saying, God, give me life today. It's an acknowledgement that he's the source and foundation of all things that bring life. And life is more than food. Matthew 6.25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This is important because the, the enemy wants you to buy into the lie that a responsible Christian prayer will be to pray for the big things like your kingdom come and your will be done and the basic needs that you have but then go elsewhere for the good stuff of life. Like pray for bread, but then go and take yourself out for a steak dinner. I mean, imagine this playing out a little bit. Where we look at God and we say, okay, God is the basics of life. I know that's the stuff that I should do, but the things that I want to do, the desires that I have in life, that I have to find other places. I mean, imagine if I came home one day from work and and said to Lauren, okay, I I brought home food. I've taken care of the kids. I've done the dishes. I've taken care of all the basics. And now I want to enjoy life. So I'm going to head out and I'll see you in about four hours. That's not going to end well. I don't know how things function in your house, but in my house, that would not end well. But that's what the enemy wants. He wants me to see God as just the basics and the core of life, but that the desires, the things I really want, I have to go elsewhere because God is, is stingy and he, he's busy and he can't be bothered with all these silly desires that you and I have. But that's not true. It's a lie. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Yes, he provides the food. Yes, he provides your breath. Yes, he makes your heart beat. But he also gives you rest for your soul. He also gives you joy and peace. He also delivers you from every fear and fulfills every desire. See, listen, he not only gives you the foundational physical elements of life, but also the foundational elements of life that make it worth living. 
that make it abundant. I'll say that again. He not only gives you the things that sustain your life, he also gives you all the things that make your life worth living. All the joy and the fulfillment and the life that, that we desire is found fulfilled in Christ. So this is a prayer of daily dependence on God for your most basic needs. But it is also a prayer of daily dependence for your deepest desires. I mean, we say, well, what about being content with simple things? Are you saying we're supposed to just go ask him for a bunch of stuff? Well, yes and no. 1 Timothy 6.8 says, But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. So we might look at that verse and say, see, we're not supposed to ask for extravagant things. We're supposed to just ask for the basics. Like I may really want the steak dinner, but all I really need is bread. And so I'm just going to ask for that. I mean, aren't we supposed to only ask for those things and then be happy with what we get? Kind of like a cosmic or, or a spiritual get what you get and don't throw a fit? Well, what Paul is confirming is that those things are not able to fulfill you. He's saying in this passage, he's saying chasing worldly riches will leave you empty. They will plunge you into ruin and destruction. The problem isn't the desire. The problem isn't that we have desires. It's that we look to the wrong things to fulfill them. I'm sure you've heard me say that before. We so often think Christianity is about deadening our desires. We're like, okay, well, I just, I just need the basics in life and I'm not going to chase after anything that actually brings joy. But that's not it. Our desire to have a full life and to have an abundant life is not the problem. The problem is that we look to the wrong things to fulfill those desires. We fixate on specific things to fulfill us in ways that they really can't deliver on. And we judge God based on whether he delivers those things or not. So if I think that a new job is really what will fulfill me or make me happy, I may pray and ask God over and over again to give me a new job. And then the only thing that I judge anything by, or I judge him by, is whether he gives me that thing or not. I mean, tell me you haven't been there. I hear this story all the time from people who say they grew up in the church, but then they left it or they, they stopped believing in God or, or whatever the case is. So many times it comes back to, I prayed for this thing, God didn't give it to me, and so I don't trust him. I don't believe in him. But here's the problem. If your hope is in that thing, I mean, just think about anything that you've been asking God for. If your hope is in that thing, that is called idolatry. And so what you're actually praying when you over and over say, God, give me this thing, give me this thing, and you are fixated on that thing, what you're actually saying to God is, God, please help me worship my idol. I believe that this idol will fulfill me and give me meaning and give me hope. So please help me to worship this idol that will eventually leave me empty. God, please help the sin of idolatry grow in my heart more and more so that it will make me bitter and destroy me and those around me. Our good father will not answer that prayer. He will not give you that thing. But rather... 
As Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, the thing is, God wants to give you something better than the thing you're asking for. He doesn't want to give you this thing that you think will fulfill your desires. He wants to dig down to the root of your true desires and fulfill those completely. See, I've learned over the years to trust God with my desires, trust him with the things that I want, however silly it may seem or trivial it may seem, to just trust him with those things because I believe that he is the source of abundant life. Because I believe that he is a good father who does not withhold any good gift from his children. Because I know that he's told me to ask him for anything. And because of those things, I know that the absolute best thing I can do with anything that I desire, anything I want, is to bring it to him unashamedly. When I delight myself in the Lord, I trust him with the desires of my heart. So my encouragement from this prayer is, go ahead and tell him everything that you want. Every trivial thing, every big thing, every small thing, everything that you think will bring joy in your life. And what he will do is he helps you chase down the root of those prayers to what you really desire, what you really want, and he gives you that. And that's better. I mean, think about that. He, he hears you. He says, okay, I hear you want this thing. But what I know is you really want this. This is really what you're trying to get with that. Let me give you that. He does this in a lot of places. John chapter 4, the woman at the well, she can't imagine anything better than a drink of water. And so she asks Jesus for water and, and Jesus offers her living water. He offers her something far better, something she didn't even know to ask for. In John 6, the disciples in the crowd thought what they wanted from Jesus was bread. He just fed the, the multitudes, and so they were coming after him on the other side of the lake and saying, hey, where were you? We're trying to find you. And, and he's saying, look, you came after me because of bread. And that's when he says, I'm the bread of life. He offers them something better. See, our Father hears the heart of our prayer even when we don't exactly know what we want. Think about how gracious he is that that's how he handles us. Let me give you an example of how this might work. You might say, God, I, I desire a new job. I realize now that I've used a couple of examples of desiring a new job. Just FYI, that is not something that I'm desiring. But you may be in that situation where you're desiring a new job. And maybe as you pray that, you say, God, I don't know if I'm supposed to have this or not, but this is, this is my desire. And as you're praying that, God shows you and, and understands and hears your heart that your desire is rooted in wanting to take care of your family. And so... Instead of a new job, he gives you the gift of a demotion, which ends up lowering your stress and requiring less hours. Thus, your family ends up with more time with a less stressed dad. It's a better gift. Or, God, I desire a family vacation. I've seen other people go and travel and I want to do that. I got to get out of here. Maybe right now, especially you may be thinking, I got to get out of here. I got to go somewhere. 
And he reveals in his mercy that the root of my desire is actually envy of my neighbors who went on this amazing vacation and posted their pictures on Facebook or Instagram and it looked awesome. And I want that. But instead of deepening that sin of envy in my heart, my gracious father gives me a quiet evening at home where I sit around the table with my kids and we laugh together and I read to them and tuck them in. And though I'd been really irritated the day before, today I see them as a great gift and I could not be happier. That's a better gift. I mean, can you think of a time that you received what ended up being a better gift even though you didn't recognize it that way at the time? I mean, that's the phrase of a blessing in disguise. Maybe you were fired from a job and you found a better one. You went through a trial and found a deeper faith. God said no to something that you so wanted. And now you are so glad that he said no. See, handing over your desires to God doesn't lead to discontentment. It leads to contentment. Imagine sitting there with enough food to sustain you, thankful for the food that you have, living in a small apartment, just enough clothes to wear, and feeling so thankful and combining that with joy unspeakable and peace beyond comprehension. That's better, right? I mean, do you want the dream vacation or laughter with your family? Do you want a big retirement account or to be freed from worrying about money? Do you want that human relationship or to feel unshakably loved? Do you want physical health or deep intimacy with Jesus? He is a good father and he always gives the better gift. So if you can go to God and pray that he would give you what you need today to sustain your life, but then with open, trusting hands, receive whatever he gives you, knowing that he knows your desires better than you do. And he will not give you a gift that would destroy you or harm you. He will only give you good gifts. Think about how that would change the way that you pray. And not just for me, by the way. He says, give us our daily bread. So we get to ask for one another. That's intercessory prayer. Asking on behalf of my brothers and sisters. Give us our daily bread. Give us the desires of our hearts. Give that for my brother or my sister. Give them abundant life today. I mean, think about what, what would you do then when your brother or sister receives that? When they receive blessing, would you, would you get jealous of them? Would you wonder why God isn't doing that for you? No, you would rejoice with them. Which is one of the the marks of a mature Christian. The ability to rejoice with those who rejoice. To be happy for others. It's actually fairly easy to weep with those who weep. And it's fairly easy to be happy for those who, who we have deemed worthy or we think deserve what they've received. But to be happy for others who receive undeserved blessing is a unique, unique thing and it is a supernatural thing. And it only comes from being rooted in knowing that I have been the recipient of all kinds of undeserved blessings. And every time I see someone else be blessed, it is a reminder of how good my father is 
and how limitless is his love and his blessing. So give us this day our daily bread. Imagine what it would look like if we prayed this. If we really believe this, if we pray this prayer, we would pray this for one another and it would end jealousy and envy. It would breed contentment in our hearts, knowing that God hears every desire of your heart and is perfectly devoted to fulfilling every one of them for your good. It would breed joyful thanksgiving as you realize that every moment is a gift from him. As you thank him for every small thing that could be gone in a moment. It would breed in us generosity. When when you believe that everything is a gift, then you're more generous with those things. When you believe it's a gift from one who has unlimited resources, it will make you generous. If everything I received is a gift, if if of all the money, any money that I have earned, I see it as a gift and I'm going to be more generous with giving it. If I see today in my time today, the fact that I have air in my lungs and my heart is beating, and so therefore I've been given this gift of this day, then I'm going to give it. I'm going to be generous with my time. I'm going to be generous with my energy. I'm going to use it for his glory. Now think about that. Rejoicing with others. Content. Thankful. Joyful. Generous. What kind of a Christian is that? Rock solid, not tossed about by politics or pandemics or cancer or slander or death. It is a Christian who knows that God is there, that he is good, that he is sovereign, that he is faithful. If you want that, then pray with me. Our Father, In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. We love you, Lord. We need you every day. Amen.